listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. There were three big mysteries, all right, that, that I can you know, figure out. Uh, and, and look, we could go down the road of UFOs and Bigfoot and all that stuff, but there were three big mysteries here. All right, so mystery one was where was Jimmy Hoffa's body? Right, so that was mystery one. Nobody could figure it out. They can't find Jimmy Hoffa's body. There were some rumblings uh, that Jimmy Hoffa was uh, buried at Giant Stadium. That was a long, uh, they've been talking about that for a long, long time. So mystery one was where and and who did what with Jimmy Hoffa's body. Then you've also got uh, the other mysteries of conspiracies out there. We mentioned Bigfoot. We mentioned UFOs. Uh, there's some of that stuff. You know, uh, uh, the JFK assassination. Those are sort of combined into mystery number two. And mystery number three is, where the hell has Steve Fezzik been? All right, now, we can report he's got nothing to do with Bigfoot. He's definitely <laughs> not buried next to Jimmy Hoffa. Because Steve Fezzik is here right now to bless your ears with his sports betting prowess, and he's going to teach you the way to get the best of the bookies. I present to thee the one and only Steve Fezzik. Jonas Knox, you are too kind. And, you know, the bottom line is, as a professional sports better and handicapper that I am, it is extremely difficult to go on national media, spend the time devoted while trying to perfect your craft, handicapping, and betting games. And ultimately, I always speak about specialization, and you can't just do one sport, but when you try to become an expert on everything Vegas and everything sports betting, yeah. It becomes the peanut butter approach. You get spread so thin, it became so difficult that I've really tried to focus much more on my core handicapping and betting. Well, it's like uh, they talk about MMA training and boxing. The big difference is boxing, you only have to focus on one discipline. You just have to box. So if you're a boxer, you are the best of the best if you get to the top because you're only focusing on that one and you're fighting the best of the best. In MMA, you can't really be the best at anything. You can't really be on level 10 of of your grappling because you've got to put time towards your striking and put time towards your jujitsu. And so Steve Fezzik just identified, listen, I'm spending all this time in jujitsu class. I'm a striker. All right. Uh, I'm an assassin. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to make things happen in the sports betting world. But it's kind enough for you to uh, hang out with us here for an hour, Fez, as we talk all things world of sports and gambling and beyond. How about you that? Know, and, re- and real quickly, we weren't planning to talk about UFC, but I do need to talk about the McGregor-Poirier fight because that's a situation where literally when I had the time and I spoke to all my UFC experts, Jonas, I don't know if you bet the fight, but everyone I spoke to that I respect wound up on Poirier, and there were bargains to be had as low as minus 120 at yeah. a few select shops at the win because so much public money on Connor. 
Yeah, I, I like the under of two and a half rounds. I just thought Connor was going to come out really aggressive and try and make a statement, which he did. He's never been known to have a great gas tank. Uh, I now did I expect the fight to end with his, um, you know, his uh, his leg running a uh, a corner route uh, like a wide receiver in the NFL? No, I did not expect that to happen. But uh, the under did hit, and so uh, a lot of people were winners, Fez included. But get used to hearing that because all the Fez does is win. That's what he does. Well- well, RJ nailed that. He was all over that uh, Poirier and the unders, so kudos to him. Uh, so, uh, Steve Fezzik, let's get into it here. The NBA Finals are two games apiece. Last night, the Milwaukee Bucks get it done. If you're the Phoenix Suns, you've got to feel like you let one slip away. An opportunity to go up 3-1 to put uh, the proverbial stranglehold on the NBA Finals. But as we stand now, the Finals are tied two games apiece. So, in essence, it's a best of three moving forward for the NBA Championship. Yeah, tough loss for the Phoenix team. Probably could have gotten that game and they let it get away, but as bad a loss as that was, a tougher loss, bad beat for betters, and the Phoenix team looked a little discouraged walking out the court. That paled in comparison to (laughs) some of the betters that I saw that backed Phoenix plus four and a half and plus five, their reaction to the end of the game. And and so so what was their problem? Because, look, if you had Phoenix, seeing all the foul calls that Devin Booker didn't get towards the end of that game, giving you hope that he was going to stay in. I mean, the guy guy finished with seven fouls, Fez. I mean, (laughs) even the official afterwards admitted, yeah, we kind of screwed that one up, which does me no good. It's like somebody, you know, uh, burning your house down and saying, hey, man, sorry about that. I thought it was the neighbors. Okay, well, that hey, doesn't help me now because I don't. all my belongings are gone. So it just doesn't do me any good, Fez. Hey, when you cover for 47 minutes and 30 seconds or whatever it was of a 48-minute game, brutal. You've, got, you've probably got the right side. You know, our crack <laughs> research team, and i got to give McKenzie credit for this one in terms of we're trying to come up with the number one reason that Phoenix lost, and we analyzed, you know, they got outplayed in the paint, the rebounds, not as many free throws. But this is a great stat. McKenzie, in the game, how many fast break points did the Phoenix Suns have? 0.0. Zero. How often has that happened throughout the playoffs this year? That's happened exactly 0.0 occasions. So I think a case can be made. Phoenix, who had the lead, small lead, during the second half, just too cautious, not aggressive enough, and ultimately that and not um, anything else, I think, cost them their chance to win this game. Yeah, it was a uh, that was a, a rough loss for them. And I'll ask you this though: as in, if you ever dealt with a bad beat, bad beat before, anybody that's been out there, would you rather have a bad beat be that your team was up by a significant amount and there was just a colossal collapse late, or? Like Phoenix, where you had a lead throughout, but it's not like you ever got comfortable that uh, that, that things were going to go. You know, you, even when you started to trail, it's not like you could really get totally comfortable. It never felt like Phoenix was running away from this team. Milwaukee was making shots. They came up with big plays. Chris Paul turned the ball over. But, Fez, I, I'd almost rather have this happen because it keeps me on the edge of my seat as opposed to, oh, my team's blowing this other team out. I can walk away from the television and go get out something else done like laundry and then you come back to find out that you're down 50 or 100 bucks because your team collapsed? You know, this is a great question because as a handicapper, I would much rather lose a heartbreaker where I had the right side and it was just a bad beat because my clients will say, you know, Fez did some nice work here. He did the work. We should have cashed and we didn't. Whereas if my team gets blown out by 20, I look foolish as a handicapper. However, 
as a better, just in my own bets, Jonas, I would much rather that I don't have to sweat out a game for the entire length of it and lose at the buzzer. I'd much rather just lose by the 20. Yeah, okay, it's, uh, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing I, either way. And listen, for those of you out there that are wondering, oh, well, how would you guys know? No, no, no this isn't a you guys statement. This is a Steve Fezzik wouldn't know statement. All right, I'm slumming it like the rest of you guys. I know what it's like to lose, uh, lose a, a bad beat. I know what it's like to be humiliated in front of uh, family and friends and, and maybe a significant other who can't figure out why you're so into the Reds Blue Jays game on a Tuesday night <laughs> where you're trying to have dinner. Like, I know what that world is like, but most people don't. And, and, and so I just want people listening out there. I'm with you. It's Fez who lives behind the, behind the gates, the gated community of Steve Fezzik. He doesn't understand that pain we go through. You don't know what it's like, Fez. Well, Jonas, I want to hear you being the voice of the fan, Milwaukee Phoenix. They're tied 2-2. Yeah. And what's interesting to me, Phoenix is the favorite to win the series. Currently, Phoenix minus 155, take back about around plus 135 on the Bucks. So the market is saying Phoenix should win the series just under 60%. I want to ask you, who do you have as the better team right now? Milwaukee, and I'll tell you why. And I'm more convinced after last night. I thought Milwaukee, I thought whoever won the game last night was going to win the series. That, that's the way I looked at that game. Phoenix wins, they're taking it. Milwaukee wins, I think Milwaukee's going to win the series because Milwaukee's got the best player in the series, and it's not close. When Giannis is dominant, it's a different kind of dominance than when a Devin Booker is dominant or a Chris Paul, if he's ever still dominant on a consistent level. His dominance is different. And to see them, win a game in which they got help from the supporting cast. And that's a Milwaukee Bucks supporting cast that's been criticized heavily over the past couple of years because they're looked at as the problem with the team. They're the, they're the weak link in the chain of the Milwaukee Bucks finally hoisting a, a championship trophy. Giannis you could depend on, uh, even though free throws are an issue, but it was always Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, some of these other guys. Are they ever going to step up? Middleton was awesome. He was the best player on Milwaukee last night. Uh, Giannis still... Had, had a solid game, but it was nowhere close to the 34-and-a-half over-under point total that we discussed here on Straight Out of Vegas over the past couple of days. And you got to give Drew Holiday credit. He made some defensive plays, had some really tough rebounds late. Pat Connaughton hit a shot. I give Milwaukee a lot of credit, and I'm more convinced now, more so than ever, that Milwaukee's a better team. And Vegas certainly agrees with you. Let me break down the math to show it. So Milwaukee in games three and four, Milwaukee was laying four and a half points. Now, it turns out game three was a really good spot for Milwaukee down 0-2, but game four wasn't. Game four had the zigzag towards Phoenix, so those cancel each other out, and I think a, a good sense of what the typical line would be when Milwaukee's home is Milwaukee laying that four and a half. Now, game five, Phoenix is only laying four points. Further, Phoenix is in a good spot here. Phoenix has the zigzag. They're the team off of the loss and off of two losses. I'll make the case that if they played five straight games in Phoenix, the average line would be Phoenix minus three and a half only. So Milwaukee is perceived to be the slightly better team by about a point, maybe just slightly less than that. But what's interesting is that home court is so important now that it's the best of three, Jonas, that Phoenix is the inferior team but they're projected to win these finals just under 60%. Now, we were talking about this on the show the past couple of days, and, and I kind of threw the what-if scenario out there. I said, all right, if Milwaukee wins this game four, 
what does the series price look like? And I know, Mackenzie, we, you sort of came up with, and your best guess was minus 130, that, that Phoenix right. was going to be a minus 130. The Suns would still be favored, as Fez pointed out. Two of the last three games are in Phoenix, in the desert, where you know home teams haven't lost so far in the series. And so the, the guess was minus 130. How close to that did we get now that we are here? Milwaukee did win the game, and now we can look ahead to the series price. We were 25 cents off with our projection. The actual consensus line is Suns minus 155. But what's interesting is if you just looked at the game line, Suns minus four at home, and then you projected out their chances of winning on the road in game six and then a potential game seven, the line would be much closer to 130. So we continue to see in the series price, the Suns are more expensive, but in the games, the Suns are less expensive for whatever reason. So real important lesson here. If you want to bet the series price... And I agree with the math McKenzie just laid out. He's telling you Milwaukee is attractive. So bet Milwaukee plus the 137 on the series price right now if you like Milwaukee to win the series. If you like Phoenix, I would wait. I think you're going to get a cheaper price, maybe $1.45 or so within the next couple of days if you want to bet Phoenix. McKenzie, would you agree? Yes, the the more liquid market is the game market. I think we're going to see the series price reflect that eventually. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Let's take an early look here at Game 5 of the NBA Finals right now. Uh, where do we stand at this betting line? We talked about the series price, Phoenix a minus 155, as McKenzie pointed out. Uh, but here we are, early look into Game 5, Phoenix sitting at a minus 4, correct, in most places? That's right, Phoenix minus 4, a total of 218. I did want to mention, interesting thing with the total... Now, typically, as a to- as a series goes deeper, we tend to see the odds makers deal lower totals because the series becomes a little bit tighter and players a little bit less fast-paced. So it's proper to adjust the totals down slightly. They've done that. They lowered the total from 220 games three and four. This totals 218. But what's really interesting to me, Jonas, is the first half total dropped two points as well from 108 down to 106. And this is directly based upon if there's one common theme we have seen, it's both teams playing tight in the first half. All four of the games so far in the series, first half has gone under, averaging just under 104 points in the first half. So there have been some high-scoring games, but not to start the game first half. Yeah, but is that normal in the NBA Finals that you see teams that the the first half unders go or the first half go under like it's gone in this series? Because we've talked about Game Sevens. Game Sevens traditionally hit the under, right, Fez? Because guys are nervous, they come out, they don't want to make a mistake, so the pace is a lot slower. So Game Sevens, we see that. Is it normal in an NBA Finals to see the under hit in the first half this many games in a row? No, because in recent times, and I think this is what distinguishes this finals from others, you had a lot of players that with a whole lot of playoff experience and finals experience, you had Golden State type of teams. And because of that, you didn't have them, I think, be nearly as nervous as we have with two first time finals finalist teams. And I think that that is part of it that each and every game they're approaching this and being just a little bit too conservative. I know McKenzie's done a zillion hours of (laughs) research here on NBA totals and what happens in the NBA series. And it turns out as the um, series gets deeper and deeper, game five is typically two points, line two points lower than game one. 
By the time you get to game seven, you see it down five and a half points. So a much lower total dealt in game seven and, and even game six. Despite that, game sevens historically have gone well under the total, even though it gets dealt much lower than, say, game one. And also, when it comes to the Giannis uh, over-under point total, that was a discussion we were having over the past couple of days, as I mentioned, and we were trying to figure out, all right, where was it going to fall? He had the the back-to-back 40-point performances. I think everybody, his health was much better than a lot of people realized, and that was just the first game back when he scored 20, I think it was, not including games two and three, which were not just, you know, great performances for a guy coming off an injury, all-time type performances in the NBA Finals for even a guy who's 100%. So he comes off the injury. Injury, the point total for Giannis uh, in game four last night was 34 and a half. Mackenzie, where, where is this one at? And does the line make sense to you guys? Well, it's dropped one point. Giannis's point over under is 33 and a half for Saturday's game five, which I think is actually a non-adjustment because if you adjust the home court advantage, the Bucks in general are supposed to score about four or five less points. So I think it's, it's about where it was yesterday, 33 and a half over under for Giannis. And let me comment on that 34 and a half. Right in the final hour before the game started, we saw a lot of betting going on the under 34 and a half. And that was not the public betting it because the public liked him over having seen the back to back 40 point games. Maybe the uh, wise guys knew that Drew Holiday was going to chuck up 20 shots <laughs> over the course of the game regardless of whether they went in or not, and Middleton being much more active. So, uh, based upon real usage, Giannis shot just just fine. He just didn't get a, enough shots to get to that 34.5. And the fact that it was heavily vigged under 34.5 last game, there's been almost no adjustment with Giannis going to Phoenix and Milwaukee projected to score fewer points. And frankly, this total's lower as well. I could only look towards under 33.5 in Game 5. Mackenzie, is that the way you would go Game 5? Yeah, we went back and forth on it. I think I leaned on both sides of it, but I think I would lean under for this, yes. And there's nothing wrong with that, Mackenzie. You know how many times I've done that where I, if I were betting on this back in the day, this is a true story, I would feel really confident and I'd bet the over and I'd go, oh man, listen, I love the over here. And then I'd talk myself out of it. And just so I, because I, I didn't want to deal with the stress, I just put money on the under as well, too, just to cancel it out. I just, just because, yeah, yeah, that, that's because, and that's what you do <laughs> when you have zero confidence as a better, like I do. Like that, that is how that works. You can manipulate the system in your mind. And as long as you feel good afterwards and you just, don't lose a bunch. You'll accept losing the juice. I'll accept a couple of bucks here or there. I don't want to lose outright because I made a poor pick. So if I if I start talking myself out of it, you know, instead of you know jumping off, I'll just take a I'll, I'll take a you know a, a seat on the uh, the perch there and just let my feet dangle a little bit. So you know, I I've, I've been known to do this quite often in live wagering where I'll bet a team, Jonas, and let's say I bet a team like minus six, and I watch the first five minutes of the game and I'm like, oh my god, I have such the wrong side, and I'll go back and I'll. I'll take live wagering. I'll take the dog plus four. And I'll well, say, if I get middled, <laughs> I get middled. I'm yeah. getting off of these turkeys right now. I do that a lot. Yeah, I can't. I just I don't have the ability to do that. That is not me. Uh, I, I continue to roll with it because I'm stubborn and I just want to prove a point that I know more than them, even though uh, you know I'm the one struggling. I, th- I think lifetime percentage. Where do you, what, what do you think your percentage is lifetime picking winners, Steve? Like lifetime, all time, where are you at? 54%. All right, which is good. Um, if if I'm anything over twelve percent, I'd be shocked. <laughs> Absolutely shocked if I, I was I over twelve percent. I have great news for you, Jonas. If you can pick below forty six percent 
lifetime going forward, people will pay lots and lots of money okay, to get the Jonas Knox selections just to go oppo, opposite yeah, listen, of who is, you like. That's what I tell people. Just go do it. You know, if they go, God, what's your secret to success? All right, do what I do and do the complete opposite <laughs> of it, and you're going to go some places in life. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. I have been getting inundated with one-liners about Chris Paul by Rob Parker for the last about 24 hours. Uh, It is going to be uh, just a destruction of Chris Paul by one Rob Parker. I'm just telling you right now, I've seen the material. Uh, It's like like knowing the winners of the Oscars before uh, they actually announce it on stage. Rob Parker is going to deliver the goods, and it's going to be really fun to listen to. So make sure you stick around. If for whatever reason your local programmer switches over to something else, a little over 10 minutes from now, fireworks ensue. Rob Parker, Chris Broussard, it's the odd couple here on Fox Sports Radio. How about that, Fez? How's that for a tease, Fez? Chris Paul still plus 175 to win finals MVP, the number two choice. Uh, That does not look like a good investment. Yeah, better chance of RuPaul winning MVP at this point than Chris (laughs) Paul. All right. Uh, By the way, for those of you that don't uh, know that 1990s reference, you can Google that (laughs) and uh, you get all the answers there. Uh, All right. uh, So, Fez, I I feel like kind of proud of myself. I got to be honest with you here. I normally am not good at this, being able to identify, uh, you know, the the issue in the betting world. But before, because you do have um, some some best bets and things like that to get to. But I just want to get your thoughts on the fact that the Hall of Fame game between the Cowboys and Steelers is three weeks away. It's literally three weeks away. That's how quick we are to the NFL season. And there's no betting line here. So what what gives? I called them cowards. Brady Quinn and I were on Outkick the Coverage uh, this week uh, filling in, and I called them cowards. I said they were gutless. Uh, was that just a reckless accusation, or was I on to something there? You're spot on. Jelly in the belly, real scared. Think about it. If I'm a lazy bookmaker, I'm perfectly fine just copying somebody else's mistake. Hey, wasn't my problem. Someone else put that up, and I used the same number. But if I'm the first person to put that number up, and I'm the guy that put 250 up for a WNBA (laughs) All-Star game, and it closes 195 and lands 178, well, then there's going to be someone's going to have to answer for Santino, as they say. I'm going to have a meeting with my boss, encouraging me not to be the originator on things. And bottom line is, Everyone's waiting for someone else to do the dirty work and post a number. All right, so uh, we've established that. Uh, that's the one thing I've ever gotten right in the history of this show, that I called them gutless, uh, that I did. Uh, that they didn't have a betting line out. Quickly, though, Fez, before we get to your best bet in the NFL, because you actually can bet on an NFL game, uh, talk about what you see second half of the season in Major League Baseball that, that piques your interest. Yeah, so some select books, including DraftKings, are dealing what updated season win numbers are for every MLB team. And frankly, I think they dropped the ball on this with their forecasts basically looking at bad teams to improve. Bad teams don't improve, Jonas. Bad teams sell. Bad teams call up everybody from AAA. I have four best bets. I'm going to make a bold statement here. They're going to go 4-0. and If they don't go 4-0, and you find me in Vegas, I will buy you a drink. Here they are. <laughs> Minnesota Twins under 77.5. Twins are god-awful. Arizona under 56.5. How is this team going to win 55 games? Kansas City under 70.5. And Baltimore under 58.5. To summarize again, fading going against Minnesota, Arizona, Kansas City, and Baltimore. All of them to go under. Wow. So, Twins under 77.5. You're that out on the Twins. 
Twin stink. Yeah. Okay. No well, I mean, that, listen, that, that's that's nice and all, but uh, you know, our Lord and Savior Scott Shapiro is a Minnesota Twin fan through and through. So I just, I, <laughs> He'll I'm, be the I'm first he wasn't one listening. to bet it then. All right, listen, I'm, I'm just saying. I mean, I, I hope you know, I hope he wasn't listening because I don't want to get attacked for it uh, post show when we when we have these discussions. All right, so Fez, we talked about the NFL, the Hall of Fame game. You can't bet on. Nobody wants to set a line. Uh, nobody's got the guts to set a line. But we do have a line involving the Steelers, who are a part of that Hall of Fame game against the Cowboys. Steelers. Week one, what are we looking at? So NFL week one, best bet, Buffalo Bills minus six and a half, hosting the Steelers. I pissed off Scott. May as well get RJ mad at me as well. (laughs) I think they'll both endorse this one, actually. Bottom line is Buffalo's supposed to win just under 11 and a half games. Pittsburgh under eight and a half. Buffalo's a lot better than Pittsburgh based upon that differential. If this game was on a neutral site, this line probably should be six and a half or seven. It's not on a neutral site. There's likely to be full capacity, almost a three-point home field advantage. This line should be nine. Lay the six and a half now on Buffalo. Solid value bills to crush the Pittsburgh Steelers week one. No concerns about betting this this confident week one. Having no real information to work with, you're good with it. I'm confident if you sit around and wait and like you probably will, Jonas, and yes. <laughs> then you'll go ahead and go to the window and lay eight and a half in September. Yes, lay six and a half now. 